0: Maria Nemeth. I'm a PhD psychologist, master certified coach, and the founder and director of the Academy for Coaching Excellence. This podcast is about you and your relationship with money. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Maria again, and welcome to the Energy of Money podcast. Once again, I just want to thank you for being here, uh, for for tuning in. I know uh, you probably have so many podcasts you could be listening to and it just it makes me feel grateful to know that even a few of you are listening over time and it's what i really want to do is give you some value some way of looking at your relationship with money for example that might allow you to feel a little bit more successful and you know the definition i use of success is doing what you said you would do consistently With clarity, focus, ease, and grace, and being financially successful, therefore, is doing what you said you would do with the energy of money, with clarity, focus, ease, and grace. Where clarity has to do with, are you clear that there are some things that you do want to support, some ways you do want to make a difference With you and the energy of money, for example, it could be with your community, it could be for your friends, for your family, it could be for you doing something that would really enrich your life. Focus is about learning how to focus your attention, but in this case, your money toward what it is that has real meaning and in a heart for you. Ease is about learning how to take small, sweet steps when it comes to money. You know, you don't have to, for example, start off and start saving with big deposits every month because you want to save a lot of money quickly. And after about three or four months, you see it it just not worth it because, (laughs) because you're going over budget. But even starting incrementally small, did you know that if you were to save $50 a month, that's $600 at the end of a year. That's quite something, isn't it? And think of what you could do with $600 at the end of a year, something that would be of value, something that would have real meaning for you. And then, of course, the fourth uh, principle is grace. Remember, clarity, focus, ease, and grace. And grace is all about learning how to be grateful. You know, the, the gateway to grace is gratitude, and really the definition of grace is our ability to see the blessings that are around us always that are just really with us. And so you see with clarity, focus, ease, and grace in your relationship with money, do you notice how we don't have fear or anxiety or worry or doubt in that definition? No, those exist on an entirely different lane, an entirely different emotional. Scenario. We're talking about instead looking at what has value for you in life, what you really want to be doing with yourself. And in some cases, what you want to be known for. You know, do you want want to be known as a generous friend? Someone who, and when I mean generous, I don't mean necessarily loaning money all over the place. I'm talking about being generous in terms of, well, let's say you have a couple of friends, they live nearby you and you know that you spend a lot of money on food. And what would it be like if as a generous friend, you were to invite those people to join a little cooking club with you so that you get together and prepare meals together and buy food together because you can buy food more economically if you buy it in a little, little bigger than just, you know, one piece of this or one piece of that. But so you see, there's so many ways to use money as an expression of your generosity, of uh, being a generous friend. So many ways you can use money to bring real value to life. Now, I'm going to be talking now. I am to want to switch scenarios. I want to, you know, and talk about uh, what we began talking about last week, which was the uh, five stages of success. And you heard me talk about the first stage. You know, when you think of success, think of taking a project to successful completion. Let's say you want to write a book. <laughs> Let's say you want to open a business. Let's say. You want to invest some money. You know, you can think of uh, ways to create projects. You know, a project is a way to really structure how you're going to use money to produce a particular thing. And so in the five stages of a successful project, We look at the creation phase where you just let all of your ideas out and you talk with your friends, you get support for your vision for what you really want. Maybe it's having a guitar and taking guitar lessons with the uh, project being at the end of six months, I'm going to invite three friends over my home and I'm going to play guitar for them. Hmm. I happen to have a guitar of my own and I'm just looking at it right now as I'm talking. I think that would be a wonderful project for me. So you heard it first from me. (laughs) I'm going to look at this because, you know, life is so sweet when you have projects, things that are important to you that you want to do. The uh, second stage of a project, you heard me talk about liftoff. And what that means is it's like a rocket ship lifting off from the launch pad, you know, uh, when you're starting a project, when you're taking it from the idea phase to the physical reality phase, starting to do something with it, it's going to always take at least 10 times more energy than you thought it would. And so the third phase and so some of the dangers, excuse me, in the second phase, in liftoff, is that, you know, it's normal and natural for it to be hard. If anyone ever tells you that beginning a project that has real meaning and heart for you is going to be easy, no, 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 no no. That's not the truth. It's always difficult at the beginning. And I'll tell you, it's meant to be difficult for a number of reasons. Number one. Anytime you put something into physical reality that hasn't been there before, you have this automatic pushback because it has not yet been done. If, if, you, if you do something that's been done before in the exact same way you want to do it, then you can always get directions from that person about the step they took here and the step they took there. But I'm talking about putting a project into physical reality that is like nothing you've ever done before, or it's maybe a little variation of what you've done before. But the bottom line is this, every time you go from the realm of ideas into the realm of physical reality, you will meet with obstacles. You will. As a matter of fact, if you don't meet with obstacles, it means that uh, either you're not trying hard enough, it wasn't big enough, or that you're not meant to have this project to begin with. Seriously, if there are no obstacles to what you're doing, you are not learning. You know, you and I, as as human beings, we learn from our obstacles. We learn from that which we see is difficult, and then. So the only way through is just to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And then we come to stage three of a project and it's called creation. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. It's called momentum. I want to say creation, but it's momentum. And to think of in this way of a rocket ship, it's, it's been launched from the launch pad and now it's starting to break free from, from gravity. And so it's going a little faster. You know, and so as you get into whatever project you're doing, it's opening up a new business account, uh, dealing with a new kind of customer in the business that you already have. Whatever it is, at some point things will start getting easier, and it's wonderful. You know, because it's like, wait, it's so great. So we've visioned this. We've worked hard at the beginning. And it's starting to ease up. Let's celebrate. And celebration is wonderful at this stage, except for one thing. It's at this stage, the momentum stage, that many projects and businesses go under. And I'll tell you why. There's a tendency with all of us when things get easy, there's a tendency to overpromise. Why? Because it's been so easy up until now, it's been difficult, but right now it's so easy. Sure, we can take on something more and something more and something more. But I want to tell you a story about a man I coached him after his business had already gone bankrupt. And he was in a very interesting business. He supplied computer things to corporations that needed them. For example, do you need a special kind of docking station for your computers? Do you need a special extra long, maybe extra thick ethernet cable? You know, do you need special charging stations? I mean, he would he would supply this to corporations happily. So, he tells me, he says, one day I get a call from a, this, these people I've worked with before. It's a big corporation. And they say to me, Alex, listen, you know, uh, because of the, the pandemic, we've pivoted and we put most of our processes online now. Our members are making Zoom calls. They're not meeting with customers face to face. They're making Zoom calls. And we want to make our staff life Easier. We've got a thousand people now working on compu- on you know meeting people on computer. In the billing department, in the sales department, in the logistics department, and they all need headphones, and we want to give them really good headphones. And they have to be cordless. And he said, uh, the guy said to me, uh, we can spend about two hundred and fifty dollars a person, which could get you a pretty nice headphone, cordless. And Alex told him, I'd be thrilled to do it. We'll do it. No problem. Because, you know, he said this, it went cha-ching in his mind because he could see a thousand headphones at $250 a piece plus logistics fees and handling and da-da-da. It would be almost $275,000. And he said, this would be I mean, come on, you know, $250 a person for a thousand of their folks, $250,000 plus all the extras in logistics and shipping and handling, whatever, $275,000. He said immediately, I said, yes. It's like I could hardly get the words out fast enough because I saw dollar bills in front of me, you know? and what we could do with that money. And, oh, it was a great cash infusion. And uh, he said we were already doing pretty well, but I just, I said, yes. And the next day we signed the deal. He says, five days later, my logistics person comes to me. He says, Alex, we're in really trouble, in real trouble. And Alex said, what do you mean? Well, the company in Tokyo that we work with And we were hoping to have them supply these earphones for us. They've gone bankrupt because of COVID. They're not a supplier anymore. He said, I do not know where I can get us earphones that are halfway decent for $250 a person. He said, I know this this is, you know, difficult for us right now. What do you think we should do? And uh, Alex said, right then I saw the the bottom dropping off because I knew that I couldn't fulfill that project. I mean, I tried. I thought of different kinds of ways. Maybe if I could get 250 uh, of them from one place and 250 from another, but they would overcharge me. We'd run way over I'd end up losing money in any case we had to renege on that deal and I had to close my business. He said, it just broke my heart. You know, we had 50 guys working for us and he said, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm starting something new. I'm getting good advice now on what to do. And I know that, you know, I'm a good businessman. I mean, I, built my original computer supply house, you know, I built it up, I can do it again, he said, but, or something like it, but it just, you know, it upended us. And there's a pause for that, isn't there? You know, you've got to, you've got to really think about that because here the man was, you know, all he wanted to do was take care of his business and his business is doing well. They were in momentum. And he said, you know, somehow when we got to this phase, because I was telling him about the different phases, said so when we got to this particular stage, I could tell I was getting a little arrogant. Oh yeah, we can do it. Ah, oh, I know. we. Listen, things are getting so much easier for us now. Now, if you're listening to me and you know that you're in danger of this kind of a thing just just hear me out because there are ways that you can really think of yourself uh in such a way that you don't make those kinds of decisions and there was one man who owned a <laughs> this this great Mexican restaurant and he was just around here, uh, not, not far from when I lived, where I live, where I live across the street from a high school. And he had a very, very little place, but he served great Mexican food. And it really was great. He had just a little shop. And one day, one of the food editors from the uh, Sacramento Bee, this is my hometown newsletter, excuse me, newspaper. One day, one of the food editors from the Sacramento Bee Came and had some of his food. And he wrote this fabulous article on him, praised it. It's the best Mexican food around. The next day, which was a Monday, and he was open, he said it was almost like there was a a ring or line around the block to come into our little Mexican restaurant. And, you know, my Marlene, the, the woman who helps me, she and I saw that we really were in danger of wrecking our reputation because people didn't want to be waiting an hour and a half, two hours to come and eat in our little place, you know, because that's all that we could serve at that point. You know, a very, very limited amount of people, like 20 people in this whole store. He said, so she had this great idea. She said, we're going to write these little coupons, come back at half price, you know, and it was like, come back. We're so sorry. We're so busy. We love you. Come back anytime within the next week and we will give you whatever you want at half price. And we passed those little coupons out to people and they were happy and they came. He said, because, you know, what I know is that a dissatisfied customer speaks to their at least 14 to 16 of their friends and colleagues about their dissatisfaction. He said, did you know that? And at that time, I hadn't known that. But if there's something negative to say, like about a restaurant, more people will know about it than if there's a a positive. He said, people, usually they'll tell maybe two or three people, if it's a positive experience. So they averted a disaster. You see, that's like accepting too much energy at the same time and not knowing what to do with it. So in the first case of Alex, it's promising to accept all this energy and literally not having planned for it. And so the business goes under. And with this second man, he saw it coming down the pike, you know, like this tidal wave of people. And so he, Marlene, he said, figured out how to handle it so that they wouldn't get upended. And that's successfully handling momentum. Now, one of the things that I've heard, you know, I heard... Another businesswoman talking to me, and she said, "You know, uh, my problem is I just don't know how to say no. I always say yes if someone asks me to do something regarding my business if I can help them, and uh, even if I don't have the, you know, <laughs> the breathing room, the airspace, the the time to be able to do it, I'll say yes, and I make promise." And then it's hard to get around to it. And I don't end up doing what I promised I'd do. Or if I do it, it's way out of, you know, away from the timeline. And people get, just you know, really disappointed. So I want to leave you with something here. Because she said, you know, I've got to learn how to say no. Have you ever heard that from people? You've got to learn how to say no. You know, have your friends ever told you that? Have your parents ever told you that? How about your lover or your mate? You know, you just just got to learn how to say no. You don't know know how to say no. Well, let, let me let me give you something here, okay? Because there's a way around this, and I think it's the secret power of yes. So. Let's talk about that for a moment. I want to leave you with this the secret power of yes. So let's say that you're in a certain business. Okay. And it could be, yeah, yeah, a friend of mine who's a landscape architect who has probably six or seven contracts going at any one time. You know how it is. Uh, He'll have someone doing landscaping. And then they leave for a little while and do land, uh, you know, um, breaking through concrete. And then they leave for a while and they break through the concrete with someone else. And then, you know, it's like trying to keep things going, but it's in a patchwork fashion so that crews keep kind of like crossing each other and, and doing work. And I once talked to him about it. He said, well, you know, I, I just don't know how to say no. And I said, Bill, look, let's look at this. You don't have to say no. You said, really? I said, yeah. As a matter of fact, never say no again. I only want you to say yes, but this is the corker. This is the point. Be very clear about what you're saying yes to. So you have, your business has a slogan, doesn't it? And it was something like a motto, you know, something like we take care of people quickly and, and, and efficiently and like that. I said, yeah. And I said, you have some personal values as a businessman, don't you? And we went through some of them, you know, what he believes about customer service, what he believes about taking care of his staff, you know, the workers who work for him, how he wants to pay them. And we, we just lined that all out. So it was like a values statement. And he made like a little bit of a poster with this values statement. And he said, you know what? This really worked for me because when someone would come to him and ask him for a project and he knew he didn't have the time or the breathing room or the staff available and it was only going to turn out with the person being disappointed because they had to wait so long for their project to be done, et cetera. Instead of saying yes to that, I told them, turn and face your motto statement, how you want to run your business, how you want to treat your staff, how you want to be known and ask yourself, what am I willing to say yes to? the request from this person or am I willing to say yes to what's important to me? And he said, you know what? That refocusing really helped because see, we're not meant to say no, you know, like you got to learn how to say no, 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 no. That's, it's like, it's almost impossible, but we can be selective about what we're saying yes to. And that's the point for the third stage of momentum. In momentum, you will start having more people, more clients, or it might get easier for you to uh, exercise. You know, this is another thing. Sometimes in momentum, it gets easier to exercise, and so you'll, you'll tend to overdo it. Oh, yeah, well, it's easier now. So I think I'll just, you know, have even more weights and I'll do more reps. And and you find the next day you're exhausted and hurting all over. Instead of doing that, have a values statement about being physically fit and healthy and how you want to treat your body and how you want to be able to show up and a sense of well-being and, you know, always look at what you're saying yes to. Because you, so listen to me here, you possess a wellspring of wisdom. All you need to do is listen to yourself. Not listen to that voice that says, more, 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 more. You know, some uh, psychologists have labeled it now as FOMO, the fear of missing out. I got to say yes to this, because if I don't, I'm missing out. How about saying yes to who you are and what's important to you? Because if you don't, you really will be missing out. So I leave you with this. Learn the power of yes. Saying yes to what's important to you. Saying yes to the life you want to lead. Saying yes to your values. Saying yes to the dreams that really have heart and meaning for you learn to say yes to those things. It does not mean that you'll never accept business again, but whenever something comes, and if you know you don't have the time, and yet you're so tempted to say yes, especially if there's a lot of money attached, and you see, wait, if I do accept this, you know, the the Buddhists have a saying, if we continue down this path, we're liable to end up where we're headed. So I leave you with that. The power of yes, it's within you. So thank you, my friends. I will see you next time. This is Dr. Maria saying goodbye for now.